Chapter twenty nine of Innocencia, a story of the prairie regions of Brazil. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. Innocencia, a story of the prairie regions of Brazil, by the Viscount of Taunay, translated by James William Wells. THE DOE AT BAY We left Innocencia as weak in body as she was resolute in mind. She foresaw what trials and difficulties she would have to undergo, and strengthened her resolves by continual meditations upon her unhappiness. She was on her knees before an image of Nossa Senora, when, from the adjoining room, the voice of her father caused her to arise. Nocencia, he called. The poor girl passed her hand rapidly over her face to remove the vestiges of her copious weeping, and with an almost firm step she proceeded towards the room. Perietta and Manacal were seated close to the table. The little dwarf Tico, seated on the doorstep and basking in the pallid rays of a partly cloud-obscured sun, was playing, or pretended to play, with some young ducks. "'I am here, my father,' said Innocencia, in a clear but slightly tremulous voice. Manacau gazed at her with an air half sullen, half eager with passion, and feeling that he was called upon to say something, he observed— at last, then, the doña has come out of her nest, eh? Is it to find some sunshine? Is that it, eh? The girl made no reply, but gazed at him so calmly, and with such insistence, that he was forced to lower his eyes. She has been ill, you know, apologized Perriera, and turning to his daughter, he continued, Sit yourself down here close to us. Manacal wants to talk to you about something particular— ha she knows what it is laughingly observed the muleteer endeavouring to be jocular i do not know innocencia replied in calm incisive tones she is uh trying to be funny muttered manacal well then have you already forgotten what what i arranged with your father with the same calm intonation she replied i do not remember some moments of silence followed. A storm of anger was rapidly accumulating in the breast of Perriera, and his frowning eyes glanced, now at Manacau, now at the courageous daughter. "'Well,' said he suddenly, "'if you do not remember, I here am not so forgetful.' "'Now,' recommenced Manacau, as he rose from his seat, and moved so as to be nearer to the girl." She is only pretending to be ill. Our marriage— Your marriage? inquired Innocencia in assumed surprise. Yes, but with whom? Wah! exclaimed Manacau, utterly dumbfounded. Who else but you? Perietta turned livid with rage. The little dwarf watched the scene with rapt attention. His twinkling eyes scintillated like black diamonds— and his limbs trembled with impatience. At the reply of Manacau, Innocencia arose, and moving swiftly away, as if to seek a refuge behind a chair, she exclaimed, I? I marry the senor? Never! 
Rather would I welcome death. Never, never can it be. Manacau shivered as if struck by a blow. Perietta tried to spring to his feet, but for some instants he seemed absolutely paralyzed. You are mad, he stammered. You are mad! And fiercely clutching at the table, he arose, terrible in his wrath. Then will you not marry him? he thundered, his very teeth chattering with passion. No, cried the girl desperately. Rather would I... She could not finish, for Perietta grasped her hand with such violence that he almost forced her to fall upon her knees, and then, with his utmost strength, he flung her away from him, hurling her against the wall, where she sank heavily to the ground. As the unhappy girl fell, she uttered a low, moaning cry of pain, and stretched on the floor, she grasped her breast with both hands. Her face turned deadly pale, and from a slight wound on her brow slowly oozed a few drops of blood. In the madness of his rage it seemed as though Perietta would throw himself upon her and trample out her life with his feet. But stopping suddenly, he raised his hands to his face to hide the tears which welled from his eyes. During the whole sad scene Manacau made not the least gesture— he grimly noted everything his physiognomy was impassive and unmoved as marble itself but in his breast raged a very volcano a lugubrious silence reigned for some time in the room the dwarf approached innocencia and taking her hand assisted her to rise to a sitting posture then amidst many caresses he showed her by signs the necessity of retiring only by a great effort could Innocencia follow that advice, and with halting steps and trembling limbs, and assisted by Tico, she went away from the presence of her persecutors. Neither of the two men made the slightest attempt to detain her. Side by side, silent and passive, both seemed utterly demoralized by the magnitude of their imagined disgrace. Manacau, his jaws clenched, and his eyes fiercely flashing under his lowered brows, passed a hand rapidly and continuously over his huge moustache. Perietta, with his head sunk upon his breast, seemed a picture of despair. At last he said, "'I must draw this charge I have within me, or I shall go mad.' Well, whoever may be the man, Manacau, Nocencia at least is now lost to us for some one must have put the evil eye upon her who is that man growled manacau in a harsh and threatening tone now i see it all i even i receive the diabo himself in my house i was watchful but the seed of evil had already taken root but who is he manacau again impatiently inquired a rascal, an infamous fellow, a foreigner who stopped here, and robbed me of the peace that Deus blessed me with. Perietta then hastily related all the attempts of the German Meyer, attempts which had been discovered, but which, unhappily, at least so he, Perietta, supposed, had produced their fatal fruits. Ah, said he finally, and lowering his voice, that cur thought only of cajoling women and then with a kick to leave them in the dust to-morrow i will be after him and 
"'What for?' interrupted Manacao. "'The vultures shall answer you.' "'To kill him?' "'Yes.' After a short pause the muleteer said, "'It shall not be you who is to give an account of his skin.' "'Why not?' "'Because this is a business that belongs to me. "'The seigneur is the father, it is true, but I am the bridegroom. "'He has played the fool with us both, but anyway the German shall bite the dust.' "'Well, so be it,' concorded Perriera. "'Start to-morrow or to-day, ay, this instant, if it be possible. "'Such a cursed cur should be killed at once, as you would kill a mad dog.' "'Go quickly, and return to tell me that the man no longer exists. "'As an old man, as a father, I will bless the hand that kills him. "'Upon these my white hairs let the blood fall.' "'All this conversation had been listened to by someone else, the dwarf Tico. "'Little by little, and with his eyes sparkling with excitement, "'he had gradually approached the table.' Suddenly he placed himself between the two men. "'What do you want here?' the miniero roughly inquired. The little man immediately commenced to demonstrate, by careful and very expressive gestures, that he was cognizant of all the projects, and that he participated in the same sentiment of indignation and desperation that afflicted the owner of the house then quickening his gesticulations by some half inarticulate sounds he showed perietta that he was labouring under a misapprehension in regard to some person and with great skill and a perfect mimicry now raising his arm to indicate a height now with a movement of his hands to describe the physiognomy he indicated so clearly the characteristics of Meyer and Cyrano that Perriera at once recognized them and observed, "'I see, I see, Tico, you want to speak of the doctor and—and and the other.' Here the dwarf made an impatient gesture of negation, and, pointing towards the chamber of Innocencia, he made his auditors understand that the German had nothing to do with that region." The two men were startled. "'Then,' stammered Perriera, "'then oh, who can it be? Deus, not Cyrano!' "'Yes, yes!' articulated the dwarf excitedly, and impatiently nodding his head. "'The doctor?' protested Perriera. "'Nonsense!' Tico, with great ability, demonstrated his proofs. He gesticulated like one possessed— he ran out of the house denounced the interviews imitated the night wanderings of cyrano showed the place in the orange grove where he saw all that passed and the branches broken by his fall he repeated the mysterious cry that had provoked the shot at daybreak Finally, he explained by such expressive signs and such movements of his head and physiognomy that any remaining doubts disappeared at once from the mind of Perriera. Now that all the previous mystery was so clearly unravelled, it came with so startling a shock to Perriera that he gasped for breath in the paroxysm of his anger. He staggered like a drunken man. He reeled. His eyes became bloodshot and he had to grasp the table for support. "'Ha! Scoundrel!' he gasped, and became purple with excitement and rage. "'Thou shalt pay me! Ah! Scoundrel! Villain!' 
and turning to Manacao, he added, "'Give me this! He is mine!' The muleteer calmly shook his head. "'No,' he replied, in a low, harsh voice. "'He belongs to me. He humbugged you and made a fool of me.' "'Then,' exclaimed Perriera hastily, "'depart to-day, go at once, instantly, and when you return, say only, we are revenged, and Innocencia shall be yours.' After pausing a moment with considerable irritation, he concluded, "'If she will accept you.' That we shall have to talk about. The Minero uttered a cry of despair. Mio Deus, he exclaimed in seeming agony, in what a world we live! A man who enters my home, who eats of what I eat, who sleeps beneath my roof-tree, who drinks water from my stream. This man arrives here, and, of an abode of peace and honor, he makes it a place of turmoil and shame. No, May a thousand lightnings blast me if this miserable being any longer breathes the air that surrounds me. No, no, a thousand times no. And clear out at once the canala he brought here, sons of inferno like their master. I will spit on their faces. Away with them like curs as they are. Thieves, assassins, I... Manacao calmly interrupted him by saying... Do nothing. No one must know what is passing here. No one. Do you understand? And then? Make out that you have received a letter from Santa Anna, and that the owl wants his men to wait for him at Lille's. Do you hear? Perriera made signs that he comprehended all. Afterwards, added Manacao in a sinister voice, hands to the work. You say well retorted Perriera, but have patience with me. My head is all in a hurly-burly, and throbbing and singing as if it would split. Well, show that you are now the owner of this house, and do what you please. I deliver myself to you bound, hand and foot. Everything here belongs to you. While the honor of a minero is not redeemed, I will not raise my head. Mudeos, Mudeos, what a disgrace! "'Courage, courage!' interrupted Manacao. "'If revenge fails to hide my miseries, I will move to the regions of the Apa. "'Ah, I feel about to die. My head seems full of fire. "'Ah, me!' And utterly prostrated by his emotions, he stretched his arms upon the table, and on them bowed his troubled head. Manacao gently tapped his shoulder. "'What is this, my father?' said he. "'Be a man, or what serves it? "'Look at your misfortune, which is mine also manfully, "'as you would at the rascal, face to face. "'Are you not consoled at the certainty "'that that man will soon—' "'Ah, yes,' replied Perriera, raising his head, "'and observing that the dwarf had gone away, he added, "'But what shall we do with that morsel of humanity "'who knows everything?' Do not let him leave the house. Manacao, he is like a flash, in an instant, and before one knows, he turns up in Sucuriu, or even in the corridor. Very well, then he must learn that, that only a wink of his eyes, when it is not wanted, may cost him dear, very dear. <laughs> at least, implored Perriera, go at once and clear those fellows out of my barn. Go. If I could sleep a little, I might forget somewhat. But, 
Ah, me! With these words, the Miniero slowly left the room for his own quarters. Manacao promptly dispatched the attendants of Cyrano, who soon afterwards were on their way to the house of Lille. Then the Sertenajo mounted his horse, and spurring the animal to its utmost speed, he dashed away toward Santa Ana de Paranaiba, which he reached when the night was far advanced. End of chapter 29